Welcome, everyone, to your first episode of Home Practice with Hallie, yoga tools for every body. I'm your host, Hallie Miraglada, joining you today from Chicago. In today's episode, we'll start you right at the beginning with acknowledging some common obstacles to setting up a home yoga practice, offer you some tips and tricks for creating a practice space within your own home, and hopefully expand the definition of yoga. Yoga is so much more than just the physical postures, it's also a mindset. So we'll explore a story on perspective and your first opportunity to cultivate gratitude for wherever you are. I specifically chose the format of a podcast for this project rather than a video series because I think there are already a lot of stereotypes about what yoga is supposed to look like. And if you never see someone doing yoga who looks like you, you might start to think that these tools aren't for you. But ultimately, the physical posture is never the goal. It's just a means of transformation, of noticing and refining your reactions. And ultimately, the tools of yoga like breath awareness, relaxation, and physical well-being are universal to the human condition and should be available to every body, regardless of your geographical location, the amount of time you have to get out of the house, your ability, or your financial situation. So I hope this podcast eliminates a couple of obstacles and is able to bring the tools of yoga to you. And you are your own best teacher. Take as long as you need to try each technique, transition, or exercise. I'll still be here when you're ready for more. So with that in mind, this podcast is a service to you. I hope that I find you exactly where you are, wherever in the world you make your home. Although the informational sections of each episode might be excellent to listen to during your commute or while you're washing up the dishes, please know that there will be some sections in which I will guide you through the application of the technique, whether it's a breathing exercise, a meditation, or a yoga posture practice. Each guided home practice will be between 5 to 45 minutes, and these exercises are meant to be experienced with awareness and will require the full attention of your body and mind. As one of my favorite teachers always says, an ounce of practice is worth a ton of theory. It's only in the practice that the magic can really happen. Oh, one more thing. There are a few pieces of equipment you might want to have around at your house to make your practice easier. In reality, the only things you need are your body and your mind. So try not to forget those anywhere, but everything else is optional. The first thing you might want is a yoga mat. You can also use any type of exercise mat. I've even practiced on a towel before in a pinch and it worked okay. A yoga mat is helpful for creating the space on the floor. It builds warmth between you and the ground. And for me, it has like a psychological benefit of coming back to a familiar place. It sets the tone for my practice. The second thing you might want is a blanket. It's helpful for using just like a blanket during relaxation or meditation, or you can use it to fold underneath sensitive body parts like your knees or you can fold it a couple of times and create a bolster underneath your seat for your meditation practice. It doesn't have to be any fancy blanket, whatever you have in your house will do. And finally, there are props in a yoga practice, including blocks and straps. Blocks are helpful in aiding in transitions. They create support between you and the ground. 
Straps are helpful for extending your reach, almost like an extension cord. And although I love props and use them all the time, I don't want you to feel like you have to go out and buy a bunch of stuff for your yoga practice because you don't. So we'll loop back to blocks and straps at a later time. important step in having a successful home yoga practice is actually just deciding that you want to have one. Your second step will be to take a look into your own life and identify personal obstacles to that goal. Since I often feel that the struggles of the individual are shared by many, I asked a few of my students, friends, and colleagues to identify the struggles or impediments to a home practice in their life. See if any of these stories sound familiar to you. I'm interested in learning yoga, but I feel like I don't know enough about it to really get started. I think my biggest obstacle to home yoga is myself, but other ones include my dog, who's always trying to check on me and see if I'm okay while I'm in yoga postures, and all the other distractions that are so close to my reach. To a studio, you know, the teacher's there, she's prepping you, she's telling you a lesson that's going to lead to the to the practice, but at home, it's all about self-motivation, getting mentally in the right zone to be able to do a, a practice, and sometimes it's not always there live at home still so my parents and their just general conversation and tv watching etc asking me questions it just can really easily disrupt the flow of a practice and it makes it hard to even just come home and sit down and feel like any space is my own to really start a practice even so i just had a baby a few months ago um while i was pregnant i was able to keep up my practice somewhat by getting up to the studio but now that i have a newborn at home i find it nearly impossible to get out i think the main obstacle to my at-home practice would definitely be space um just the place on my tv which shows the instruction my furniture the fact that i don't live in a very big apartment it can make certain movements very difficult to do my most personal space is obviously my bedroom but it's small and it's carpeted, so where, as in a yoga studio or an open space with wood, I could do a very intense practice. Here, I have to slow down and really focus more on breath. So it's an obstacle, but it's a challenge that makes me rethink and revamp my yoga practice. Probably the most common obstacle I hear about a home yoga practice is related to space, or I should say lack of space. If you happen to be picking from amongst options, pick one that is clean, well-lighted, has a natural warmth, and makes you feel happy. But if you live in a small one-bedroom or studio apartment, or you cohabitate with partners, children, or roommates, you might have to get a little bit more creative in your approach. Take a look around your place right now. Is there anything you could pick up, move, change, or shift to create the space for a yoga mat and the ability to rotate your arms in any direction without hitting something? 
I think any change you can make in 60 seconds or less is a good investment. So I'm in my living room right now and I'm about to convert it into my practice studio. First, I'm taking the love seat, a little stool, and throwing it on the couch. This is me moving our really big coffee table. Okay, I'm gonna flip the rug and I'm gonna move my roommate's guitar. <laughs> and since I still have a little bit of time left, I'm even gonna sweep the floor. It's important that your practice space is clean. And of course, the more often you use your space, the cleaner it will get. And all right, dumping out my broom. All right, that's one minute and my practice space is complete. Wait, actually, I forgot to put out my yoga mat. <laughs> okay. Now my practice space is complete. My roommate wants to remind all of you that if you're practicing in a shared space in your house, like the living room, when you're done with your yoga practice, just remember to put everything back. <laughs> if you're really struggling to find places to practice your yoga asana or postures within your home, please know that many of the meditation and breathing exercises I'll offer you can actually be done laying down on or sitting on your bed. So even if a space isn't ideal, be open to including it as part of your practice. And even if you create the perfect space within your house and you're fully committed to turning toward an internal sense of peace, it's fully possible that your external environment may not be ready to cooperate. You might take a moment to observe the sounds of your environment. This week, while I was commuting to classes on the trains and sidewalks in the city, I used my phone to create some voice memos of the sounds that I heard. See if any of these are familiar to you. distracting, right? So how could I possibly ask my yoga students or anyone else to concentrate on their breath or turn inward in the middle of all that noise? In a sense, wherever you are is the right place to practice yoga. We can't wait for the perfect moment. So rather than reject your environment, however chaotic that it may be, place yourself right in the middle of it observing your distractions without attaching your whole self to them. So the moment to begin the practice of yoga, meaning breath, awareness of welcoming a deeper connection to life, is now, right? <laughs> 
in a sense, your experience has a lot to do with you. So here's a story on perspective. This is kind of like a spiritual game of telephone, as this is a retelling of a story I heard from Sri Venugopal Goswami, Bhakti Yoga Acharya from Vrindavan in northern India. Here's how it goes. Okay, so there's this guy, and he's living with his wife, his kids, and his dog in a small one-bedroom house on a farm in India. And he really wants to have a regular yoga practice, but he's having a hard time concentrating with all of the distractions of his environment. So he looks for advice and seeks out the wisest teacher in his village. When he describes his situation to her, she responds by saying, So... You think you have no space in your life for a yoga practice. My advice to you is this. When you go home today, take all of your farm animals and bring them inside your house. (coughs) To which the guy is like, But because he's pretty desperate, he decides to go home and try her advice anyways. He brings inside the cows, the goats, and the chickens, and spends one entire week in chaos and frustration. After one week of this, the guy goes back to his teacher, and she's like, how was your yoga practice this week? And he's like, are you kidding me? And she says, okay, when you go home today, take all of the farm animals and bring them back outside to the stables. To which the guy is like, yay! He runs home, takes the farm animals back outside to the stable, and cleans the house. That night, when he rolls out his yoga mat for practice, he's surprised to find himself completely unbothered by the sounds of his environment. You may have noticed that the only thing that really changed from the beginning of the story to the end is the perspective in the man's mind. We may not always appreciate what we have until something like bringing all the farm animals inside, interferes with our experience of it. And then we long for what we had. What if we were able to appreciate what we had when we had it, or in this present moment? So sometimes even I tune out when I hear buzzwords like gratitude, but stay with me. So practicing gratitude regularly repositions pain and frustration and allows us to harness greater perspective controlling our internal environment even if we can't control the external. Now, gratitude may not come as easily as complaining, so the first step is deciding that you are willing to move through resistance, to temporarily suspend your disbelief, and to shift your mindset. So your first yoga practice is not a physical practice, but a mental one. Your mission is to shift your relationship with your personal environment. You can do this exercise alone, or you can use it to invite conversation with the other humans in your home, like your partner, your roommates, or even your kids. Grab a piece of paper and a pen. Remember that your thoughts are the architects of your life, and that a regular gratitude practice builds a positive groove for your reactions. You can label your piece of paper, whether it's loose leaf or in a journal or just on the back of a receipt, gratitude list. 
or whatever you want to call it. And then you can think to yourself, I am grateful for, and perhaps something comes easily. If you'd like, you can number your items or you can write free form or really in any expression. So for my list right now, at the level of my body, I'm grateful for the cup of coffee that I had early this morning. And I had the opportunity to read in bed for a few minutes before work, which I love. I am grateful for the thick wool socks that I am wearing. And they were given to me by a friend. Um, and now I'm grateful for my friend who lives far away but is so good at making me feel loved. I'm uh, grateful for the sun, which is not shining today at all, but it will again. <laughs> um, I'm grateful that two times today I walked through the train turnstile at the exact moment that the train arrived. <laughs> um, oh, I need to write these down. <laughs> I'm grateful for this little um, shoulder pain that I feel right now because it's forcing me to move with more awareness and acknowledge my own vulnerability, which makes me feel more grateful for the health that I do have. So start to write your list. And maybe... Maybe you're in deep grief or pain or, you know, today's just been a hard day. And sometimes you might feel like you can't summon up a single shred of gratitude for anything that's going on in your life. But in this moment, choosing your mindset, in what way can you aspire toward a fullness in your heart? Can you move into it? Can you breathe into it? Can you acknowledge some little everyday unfolding as a miraculous occurrence? Can you, you know, choose to thank a flower for blooming? Write something down. And take as long as you need to finish up your list. Knowing that you can come back to this at every time. And in fact, I'm going to ask you to come back to it at least twice before we see each other again next week. But with me right now, take about five more breaths or so worth of time to finish up your list. And hopefully by now you have at least one thing written down. Maybe you had a flood of things as soon as the first few came. 
and take a moment to look at your list. If you're doing this with a friend or a partner or even your kid, you can choose to keep them to yourself or you can show them to each other. You can name these things throughout your day and choose to be reflective on them in the moments that you notice. And you can either keep your gratitude list out, maybe on your desk or on your table, or you can put it up somewhere that you'll see it, like on your refrigerator or inside of your planner or near your bed. And just breathe into the experience of knowing that you have enough. And let's seal in this practice together. Wherever you are, start to fill up slowly, taking in oxygen and nourishment. And as you exhale, sigh it out. You might place a hand on top of your heart, just as a reminder that you have a heart beating in there and that you are in a state of personal evolution, that you're not stuck, and that you can be the architect of your internal landscape. Take one more breath for yourself. In the future, we'll address other types of obstacles like pets, babies, and how to build support for your home practice through courageous conversations with your roommates and partners. But until next week, your homework is twofold. One, practice gratitude. Write it down, hang it up, share it with others, or review it often. There's not a wrong way to explore as long as you're working from a place of compassion for yourself and others. And two, Create a space within your home for your future asana practice. If you have made it all the way to this point in the episode, thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll focus on stress, relaxation, and I'll guide you through your first relaxation or shavasana practice. See you then.